You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Greeks Gridiron. It is the last day of August, August 31st, 2021. We are done with the NFL preseason and now just under a couple of weeks away from the actual season beginning. The excitement is in the air. I'm excited. I know all the football fans around the country are excited, around the world for that matter, are excited. Uh, Today, for what we're doing, as opposed to just breaking down week three for the preseason, I decided I'd kind of just do like an NFL preseason recap, and then towards the end of the video, I'm going to kind of discuss like uh, what we'll be doing going forward with the channel, how I plan on operating things now. Um, I've been really busy the last week or so just with like uh, some job stuff going on. I've been in the process of changing careers for the last few months now. Uh, Some important and uh, big decisions are being made right now, and uh, I have a pretty big interview coming up tomorrow. Actually, so a lot of stuff going on in my life. So what I wanted to do for today was just throw together a nice recap video for the preseason and then kind of explain to you guys what I'll be doing and how I plan on operating my time depending on circumstances and whatnot. So what did we learn from the preseason as we get set for week one in, I believe at this point, what is it? Nine nine days? Yeah, because it's Tuesday. Nine days, man. September uh, what is it? September 8th, 9th, one of those two days. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know the date, but it's next Thursday. Cowboys, Buccaneers. We are so close and we have learned a lot from this preseason and kind of what to expect. Now, everything that I have listed out here, I don't have every single team to speak on here. The points that I kind of pulled out were like big storylines and big things that I discussed personally, or just like stuff that's been kind of promoted and talked a lot about throughout the league. I cover the entire NFL, so it's hard for me to discuss every single team every single week. So I do my best to really just get like the biggest points across, give my thoughts and opinions and whatnot, and just kind of go from there. Now, let's talk about first the big news from today and what we kind of were in the process of learning up until today with the New England Patriots. Quarterback Mac Jones is QB1 over in New England. And on top of that, Cam Newton has been released. Some crazy developments here, especially considering as somebody who lives in the New England area, I live in Massachusetts, you know, I feel like every single week I heard there's no way that Mac Jones was getting the QB1 spot. And honestly, in in my personal opinion, I think it's the right choice. Mac Jones displayed a lot of really good traits going through the preseason. And, and I've been saying this for the last three weeks. For those of you that are like, it's just the preseason, it's just the preseason, you need to look beyond that and and really just kind of dissect what these players were doing as opposed to who they were going up against, but what they were doing in the situations that they were put in. Mac Jones displayed excellent, excellent accuracy, uh, you know, really good decision making. He handled the huddle really well. I mean, he looked great. And Cam Newton and looked pretty solid himself. I would say, though, that the promise of your rookie quarterback looking as good as he did outweighed Cam Newton looking solid. So do I do I want to say that at this moment in time, Mac Jones is a better QB than Cam Newton? I don't know. But I will say that Cam Newton, you know, he had a tough year last year. 
solid preseason, but Mac Jones for being a rookie, and obviously, you know, the personnel over there get to see him a lot closely than we do in just the few preseason games that we got to watch. Really felt comfortable with what Mac Jones was doing, and I think the prospect of that outweighs having Cam Newton as a veteran and somebody who's been in the league start, you know, for the first handful of weeks until they need to ultimately put Jones in. I'm really excited to see how things work out for them in New England. I have a lot of high hopes for Mac Jones. Honestly, I have high hopes for all five of the top QBs that got taken in this year's draft. I think each and every one of them has a really solid chance at being a legitimate starter in the league. And, you know, Mac Jones, obviously, like, it, he was taken as the number five QB. Would I have said he was the number five quarterback out of those? No, I don't know about that. I would argue he's probably somewhere more in, like, the three or four spot. But overall, big news for New England. And I, I can't even believe I'm saying that he's QB1, to be honest with you, because nobody seemed to have seen this coming except for a very select few people. And, you know, shout out to those people who saw that coming because I was – I was on the line of like, this might or might not happen. The, the Having lived here for so long, seeing how Bill Belichick operates, I'd be shocked if he started the rookie. But also part of me was like, Mac Jones is playing so well that, you know, you almost don't want to deny him that opportunity as QB1. Uh, it sounds like Cam Newton has taken this in stride. He posted on Instagram, essentially, don't feel sorry for me, um, which leads me to believe that this is probably like an amicable kind of split where, I mean... They just kind of agreed on both sides. You know, New England was like, hey, we're going to go QB1 Mac Jones. And Cam Newton was like, all right, well, you guys can just kind of let me go. And the way his contract was set up, he made like $3 million. And it gets the Patriots off the hook for like another 11, which is huge because they can use that money elsewhere going through the year. If they identify a big need or if somebody becomes available throughout the season. So this kind of puts New England in a really good spot, in my opinion. Now, next piece of discussion here, the 49ers, another quarterback conversation to talk about here. I don't want to say this with like certainty, but it almost feels like they're getting us ready for a potential dual QB system they got going on over there. Kyle Shanahan is obviously like some crazy mastermind on offense. You know, he got one of the, he got literally Matt Ryan's best year out of him. Uh, and, you know, he's done a lot in the league. And, you know, he's, he, he made Jimmy Garoppolo look pretty good that year that they made it to the Super Bowl. The way that they're making things look in the preseason, it almost feels like we might be seeing that. He's been very like Jimmy Garoppolo's the QB1, but you have somebody that offers such a different skill set in Trey Lance. If they feel he's maybe not ready to just start every single game and play every single snap, if they really do go with Jimmy G, it almost makes sense that they might pepper him in here and there with a few plays, you know, whether it's like special quarterback design plays that are runs or maybe they just throw him in to kind of like throw the defense that they're going up against off balance. And also the potential of having the game plan for two quarterbacks is a pretty big deal for any team that they go up against because not only is there like because you don't necessarily know how they're going to use them. So like those first few weeks, teams that have to go up against San Francisco are going to have to stress a little bit and kind of try to like dissect like what the heck's going to happen here. And it doesn't sound like Kyle Shanahan wants to make a QB1 decision anytime soon. So a lot to think about for teams going up against them. 49ers fans, I'm sure you guys are excited at the prospect of Trey Lance. I think he looked really good during the preseason. I'm excited for him, as I mentioned during the Mac Jones thing. I think that all five of these quarterbacks have a legitimate shot at being legit QB1s in the NFL. This is what turned out to be a much stronger draft class than I feel a lot of people anticipated at the quarterback position. So We'll have to see how that goes, but maybe some dual system QB stuff going on in San Francisco, at least to like start the season, maybe not the whole year, but at least to start until Trey Lance maybe really takes the reins from Jimmy G at some point. Continuing with quarterback stuff, though, the Broncos now. QB1, Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke lost the job. Uh, he took it in stride. You know, he was saying that he's going to do whatever he can to basically 
help Teddy Bridgewater be the best he can be week in and week out. You know, even if it is being just the guy that holds the clipboard, the backup quarterback role is very important. If, uh, you know, for Patriots fans, you would know this with the way Bill Belichick views Brian Hoyer. He considers him like the excellent and like, like, like basically the picture perfect version of what you'd want for a clipboard quarterback. Brady's even accredited Brian Hoyer for the success during a, like a Super Bowl run or two of having him there being the guy that's kind of feeding info to the lead QB. So, the Broncos obviously feel that Drew Locke will be a good fit there, and it sounds like Drew Locke is accepting that role. Whether this ends up being the right decision or not, I don't really know because you get a lot of different things from both guys. Bridgewater is the more like he's the, you know, accurate passer who makes like smart decisions and things like that. He is coming off of eight tough losses last year, but those eight losses could have also been wins last. So there's like so much uncertainty with Bridgewater. He's been, you know, kind of a bit of a journeyman the last few years. I don't know if this is the right choice for Denver. Um, I think that it's probably the safer of the two. Drew Locke can still be a little bit erratic with his arm. He has a cannon, and that's probably like it, it works in his favor, but it also hurts him too. If he can kind of rein in on that and, you know, just bide his time, you know, take his reps and practice and really work on his craft, his accuracy, there's a solid opportunity for him waiting down the road if this offense begins to flunder. But I think Bridgewater is the guy for this spot, at least for the time being. I just, I, I have a little bit more belief in Bridgewater. I am among the group that has thought that Bridgewater, you know, obviously he really got screwed over with the injury he had early on in his career when he was in Minnesota. And since then, he's just been trying to find his footing. And again, last year, the Panthers lost a lot of games. I think they were, what was it, 5-11? and 11, But eight of those games were very close losses that they very easily could have won. They were like one possess, like eight point or less games. So, on a team where, in my opinion, the Broncos are a little bit better, not necessarily the Broncos, the Broncos offense right now is better than what the Panthers offense was last year. Obviously, they're missing Christian McCaffrey and, you know, there's just injuries and things like that. I, you know, you have some really solid wide receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Font. The offensive line is decent in Denver and then backing them up is a much stronger defense in Carolina. I think Bridgewater is put in a really good spot here. Uh, you know, and on the topic of Denver's defense, I mean, hot damn, do they look like they're going to be good? Patrick Sertain looks like an absolute home run draft pick for them. And then on top of that, you're getting Von Miller and Nick Chubb back. I mean, you have a defense that is, in my opinion, championship ready. It's just a matter of, you know, Denver's like, they will go as far as their offense can take them at this point. I think the defense is set. This is a really good team. Best safety tandem on top of that. I don't want to forget the safeties over there. Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons. I mean, the Broncos look good. There's a lot to be excited about in Denver. Hope you Broncos fans are excited. I know that there was like a split kind of disappointment, excitement for the quarterback situation. Uh, we'll have to see how that whole thing boils out. But I feel like Bridgewater in Denver is a better situation than he was in Carolina last year. So that's kind of where my thoughts are on that. Now, next topic of discussion, Bears quarterback situation. We're still on the topic of quarterbacks here. Uh, seems like they're taking a little bit more of a slow approach with uh, Justin Fields. There's been a lot of talk and discussion about like the concern of the O-line and whether, you know, Chicago wants to put Justin Fields in a situation where he's going to be in an offensive line that might not be able to protect uh, protect him rather. Um, you know, th there's injuries and things like that, so there's and like a, it's like a remade unit as well for the Chicago line, so I can understand if those rumors are true, you know, the concern there, but also the way I see it is like Justin Fields' skill set almost benefits him more in that situation than Andy Dalton. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I can understand not wanting to put Justin Fields in the situation where maybe it'll shoot his confidence if, like, they're really struggling on offense to protect him. You don't want that to happen. So maybe they're trying to bide their time to, like, 
Tevin Jenkins comes back and, you know, their entire offensive line is maybe healthy or they just try to hold off as long as possible. And, you know, maybe this is like a year where they want him to sit as long as he can so he doesn't take an absolute beating through the season. And it makes it almost sound like Andy Dalton's kind of just being like a he's like a crash dummy for uh, for Chicago. And I don't want to make it out to be like that, but it sounds like there is concern. And so they're kind of slow playing it out. Obviously, Justin Fields looked really good early in the preseason. And then he kind of looked more like a rookie as we went through the next couple of weeks after that. His first game though, man, did he look good. But I can understand if there's concern, if you're not 100% confident in your team, but you have to believe that, you know, Nagy is under pressure to produce here, especially going after a quarterback in round one. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be around after the season if Chicago has another bad year. So <clears throat> it's interesting to see that they're not going all in with fields um, and, and, you know, concerns that are rumors and stuff coming out of Chicago. We'll have to see a lot of uh, players are coming back. I think I just read that Jermaine Effetti is also back. He's going to be practicing with Chicago now. So that's a plus for them, a guy who's been on the line already for Chicago coming back from injury. So we'll have to see where it goes, but it seems like the slow play is kind of what we're looking at here with Chicago. And then uh, from there, will kind of stray away. I did not realize the way I ordered this was a lot of quarterback conversation now that I'm speaking it out loud here. Um, we'll kind of shift from that, though. We'll discuss a, a little bit of the Raiders' defense here. This is something that I think is going to be a concern for the Raiders going out throughout the year. You know, the defense did not look great at any point, really, during the preseason, in my opinion. And on top of that, they... Uh, the Raiders brass apparently tucked their tail between their legs and went to Chicago asking about getting Khalil Mack back and where, you know, they just kind of had the door slammed on them for that one. Um, that That is concerning. If you are the Oakland Raiders who, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders, whoa, that just rolled off my tongue way too easily. The Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me. Um, you know, this is a team that kind of like blew up their defense when Gruden got there. And now you're kind of coming back and being like, hey, can we have Khalil Mack back? We really need somebody on the edge. You know, they drafted Clellan Farrell. Uh, Crosby has been a star there for somebody who was drafted so late. But, you know, their pass rush was really weak last season. And it's it's clear to it's it's clear to everyone that, you know, there's there's a lot to be desired from this defense. And I think that this is going to be a tough year for Las Vegas's defense. The offensive side of the football, things look pretty good. You obviously have Derek Carr, established QB, wide receivers looking good with rugs over there. And then on top of that, you know, running back Josh Jacobs, all that good stuff. Um, the offensive line is a concern and that kind of something we'll have to keep an eye on. They literally got rid of like three of their starters and started reworking the O-line there. So we'll have to see how that shakes out for them. But the Raiders defense, a real big red flag for me, in my opinion, as we go through after seeing what we had in the preseason from them. And then on top of that, that, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on the Raiders offensive line as well and see just how much of a uh, of an issue remaking the entire unit ends up becoming. Now, on top of all of this stuff, what else do we have to talk about here? I have a massive list of things to go over here. Um, we'll stay on the topic of O-line for a little bit here. The Giants offensive line is another one that we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, this is something that, you know... <sighs> Saquon Barkley's coming back from injury. It sounds like he may be a little bit limited. So we're going to need some good offensive line play. It's a do or die year for Daniel Jones. They went all in at the skill position. And I'm assuming that since Saquon's going to be back, they're really banking on this entire offensive unit being able to put up points. They really struggled to do so last year. Um, and a lot of people are doubting whether DJ is the guy at the quarterback position for them. Uh, I'm kind of... I, I don't really have too much of, a, of like an opinion on this one. And the reason being is because 
The situation surrounding Jan Daniel Jones has not been great. I don't necessarily know if, you know, Joe Judge is the guy for that team. And last year, the skill position, and like they have Evan Ingram and all that too, but skill position-wise, I don't think the wide receiver corpse was as good as people might think. Slayton was a guy that was popping off early last year, and then he kind of fell off towards the, like, the, late, the latter half. But um, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks with that, but I think what it's really going to boil down to after them going all in for the skill position, Saquon Barkley's coming back. Will this O-line be able to hold up? The Giants defense was pretty good last year, so I'm not really too worried about what they got going on over there. The addition of like a Dory Jackson's like a big plus for that defense. So I think that the defense gets better. The offensive line is really what determines how good this team is. I think that the Giants are a strong, honestly, just about everyone's a strong contender to two win the division in the NFC East. Everyone, it, I, and sorry, Philly fans, but I think the Eagles are probably the only people that I feel are not in the running to win that division. And that's like, you know, no hate you guys, just kind of where my thought process is at with that. But, um, you know, there's a, it, this is like anyone's division in terms of like Dallas, New York, Washington, you don't really know. And, and I think for the Giants, whether they win the division or not boils down to if their offensive line can protect their, you know, Daniel Jones, if they can open up holes for Barkley as he makes his way back, you know, so that's going to be ultimately how the Giants work out. Sticking with O-line, the Chiefs, another team, their offensive line being kind of restructured and redone through this offseason looks like it's ready to go. Uh, I mean, there's not much to say about Kansas City. The defense will be interesting to watch for them. Um, th there was a lot of holding penalties for it just like or any any sort of like, like the DPIs as well. Brashad Breland was a guy that I thought committed so many passing like just passing sort of like penalties in any manner, whatever, whether you want to call it holding DPI, whatever it was. He's not on the team anymore. Um, I don't want to say that he was holding that team back, but man, they were getting a lot of issues with penalties being thrown, especially in the playoffs. And it came from him a lot. I remember, I can't, I can't remember which game it was. It might have been the championship game or the Super Bowl. He got called for multiple penalties, and, and it kept being him. And I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like throwing the game for his team. Um, but. The defense looks solid. The O-line's exciting. Obviously, you have Patrick Mahomes there, skill position set. Keep an eye on that O-line. If they stay healthy, this Chiefs team can make it back to the Super Bowl for the third year in a row, in my opinion. Uh, but that'll be something to keep an eye on. Continuing with the O-line discussion, the Packers, they're not going to have David Bakhtiari, it sounds like, for the first six weeks. They're putting him on PUP. Uh, so that'll be something we have to keep an eye on. How well does this offensive line hold up? It was really unfortunate losing him for the playoff run last year. And um, from what it sounds like, I can't remember the backup's name and I did not write it down and I totally forgot to, but they have somebody in place that is supposedly, you know, the Packers are excited about. I'll need to fact check the name and maybe throw it in, in like the comment section or something afterwards. But, uh, you know, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Love also has shown promise. This is what some people are believing that is Rogers last year in green Bay. I have a feeling it might be as well, uh, just based off of everything that's gone on, but Rogers is here for the year, but it sounds like this is going to be love's team next year, just based off the way everything has worked out and how his deal has been restructured. So he showed some promise. He did struggle a bit when he was under pressure. That's something to keep an eye on, but overall Rogers is here. Hopefully the offensive line can keep him protected. Hopefully this defense is able to, you know, stand the test. It seems like the defense has been a little bit behind the offense the last couple of years they improved the last year, but if this defense can get on the level of the offense, things are going to be looking really good in green Bay, but hopefully that David Bakhtiari thing does not kind of leak into the season. Those first six weeks. Now, some other points of discussion here. Quarterbacks, again, we're going to discuss some more. The Cowboys, Dak Prescott, 
sounds like he's going to be ready to go. I think that, you know, not really getting to see him in the preseason hurts. Um, a lot of discussion amongst the internet on Dak Prescott. I think it is a wild debate to watch unfold. I'm not really active on social media, but I love reading what people are saying under stuff from the NFL and like teams and stuff like that. And it seems like you have a group of people that think that Dak Prescott is a top like 10 or five quarterback. And then you have people that also think he should not even be starting in the league. Uh, I don't know where I lie in that debate, to be honest with you, because the like Prescott has shown such good talent. And like that first year he was there, the Cowboys went 13 and three and, you know, he was killing it in yards and numbers, but then people are arguing it's garbage time stuff. Like there's so much that like goes for and against him. I just want to see Dak Prescott in the starting spot. I want to see him playing and I want to see how this Cowboys offense runs barring any crazy freak injury again this year. I think that having Prescott healthy, Ezekiel Elliott sounds rejuvenated. Things should be good over there. They have a really good receiving core. Gallup, Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. I mean, the the Cowboys unit on paper on offense looks unbelievable. They still have a really strong O-line as well. The defense will be the question. I've discussed this at length already. We are seeing some good signs, especially from like linebackers Jabril Cox and Micah Parsons. They have stepped up. They've looked pretty solid in the preseason. Um, this will again be a team that you know like lives or dies off their defense. So we'll have to see how the defense goes. I'm excited to see Dak Prescott back. I think it's good that he's healthy and ready to go for Week One, as opposed to not starting and we get somebody like, oh, well, he's not even there anymore. Cooper Rush would be the starter now because Ben DiNucci is gone. For the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger, he looks ready to roll. That's exciting. He looks, he looked like Ben Roethlisberger. Um, the real question for him is just, is his arm going to hold up throughout the season? We all know the Steelers' defense was really good last year. They got battered with injuries towards the later part of the year. Uh, so the way this whole thing works out is if Pittsburgh stays healthy on defense and then Ben Roethlisberger's arm can hang on, this is a playoff team. Uh but that's a big if. Ben Roethlisberger fell off towards the end of the year. His play kind of got sloppy. But against in that playoff game, the dude put up, was it like 500 yards or almost 500 yards, something like that. I, this is like, I don't want to say this is do or die on Ben Roethlisberger here, but I mean, he's got to be able to play all, all 17 games now to even get to the playoffs, a 17-game season, not even a 16-game season. But... Roethlisberger looks ready. He looked good in his preseason action. A lot of the Steelers and how far they go is weighted on Roethlisberger's shoulders. And, you know, he's been the quarterback there for 16, 17 years now, however long it's been since he's been in the league. You know, it's his team. It's been his team. Uh, I'm excited for Pittsburgh. Don't know if he's going to make it through the whole year. Dwayne Haskins is going to be on the team. It sounds like he's making the 53-man roster cuts, so I'm assuming the QB room is going to be Roethlisberger, Rudolph, Haskins. Interesting little thing to keep in mind there, the fact that Pittsburgh was so willing to hold up a third roster spot for a quarterback and be it Dwayne Haskins, so we'll have to see how that works out there. For the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence looked really good. Uh, I think he looked as good as advertised when he had the opportunity to be as good as advertised. There are a lot of question marks over in Jacksonville, um, and it seems like amongst the fans, split decision on Urban Meyer right now. Uh, I don't. I I always kind of go back to being a Colts fan on this one because one division rival, and two, we had Andrew Luck and lost him to poor decision making. Um, and that is still a sore spot for me to this day. 
Now, Lawrence has all the talent in the world. I think he is going to be great in this league. I think he's going to be great in this league, and it might not even end up being with Jacksonville. I really, really hope that things work out with Urban Meyer and the staff that they have there right now, and they're able to build a solid team around him. You know, they were raving about their offensive line, but, uh, you know, protection didn't look great. Granted, he wasn't getting all the starters in the games he was playing. They were doing, you know, the rotating thing, kind of seeing what they had for depth. I really hope that that starting unit can keep him protected. Skill position-wise, they did lose um, Travis Etienne, which is unfortunate, but they still have James Robinson. Wide receiver rooms, solid, uh, but... There is a lot that needs to be done in Jacksonville for them to be a contender. Um, I expect that this is going to be a very similar situation to Andrew Luck where he they're going to throw the team on his shoulders and this team will go as far as Lawrence can take them, at least for this season. Um, I, I don't know if the supporting cast around him is as good as what Luck had his first year. I want to say that it's about comparable. Andrew Luck was able to drag teams his first three seasons to 11-5 and five records. Um, will Trevor Lawrence be able to repeat that similar type of thing? I don't know, but I think that he does have the skill and talent to do so. But I really, really like after seeing what happened to Luck, I almost wish that Luck just left Indianapolis after his first four years there. I understand, you know, you're with your number one pick. You want to stay with the team that drafted you. But my God, were they doing a terrible job putting a supporting cast around him, especially on the offensive line? I hope if the same thing is happening to Lawrence in year like two or three, that he just, you know, requests a trade and splits on out of there at some point. And if it ends up being a drama-filled thing, so be it. I don't want to see a talent like Lawrence get wasted over in Jacksonville. And the and Jaguars fans, this is not me bashing the Jaguars. This is me saying that I really really hope things go well for you guys. I'm a, I always say I'm an NFL fan first and I'm a Colts fan second. And I try to look at things in like a, a more realistic and like open eyed manner as opposed to through the fanhood of a Colt fan. Um, but I really hope things work out well for him. The number two pick Zach Wilson from the Jets. He also impressed throughout the preseason. I think he surprised a lot of people throughout the preseason. He had some really good throws. And on top of that, I think the Jets might even be a little bit ahead of what the Jaguars have going on as far as like a unit surrounded him, especially on offense. Uh, you know, the addition of Corey Davis is huge. And then you have, uh, you know, who is their running back there? His name's going to slip my mind and it's really embarrassing. I'm just going to keep moving forward though. Wilson. He looked good. They have some solid offensive linemen to keep him protected. I'm excited to see how they go. The real question mark for the Jets is going to be the defense. Obviously, there's a lot of missing pieces there. Uh, we're going to see C.J. Mosley for the first time in, I think, like two years or something like that. Like He's just been on the Jets but has not been playing. Really bizarre situation with him. But, you know, so a lot of question marks for the defensive side of the football. But Zach Wilson, he looked good. And I think he silenced some doubters through this preseason. And I have some really high hopes for him and this offense altogether. I think that this offense is really going to surprise this year. Maybe not being like a top 10 offense, but they'll be somewhere in the middle there, which is a lot better than what they were last year. Um, Eagles, they have a QB situation going on. This is something we'll have to keep an eye on. They traded for Gardner Minshew last week, which was a surprise to me. I really felt like, you know, having gone after personnel that have history with Jalen Hurts and really be, you know, they got rid of Carson Wentz and they've been very all in on Jalen Hurts throughout this entire offseason and into the preseason. The fact that they went after Minshew makes me believe that there might be some doubt in Hurts' ability. We're going to have to keep an eye on it. We're going to have to see how this whole thing unfolds. But that is definitely something I'm going to be watching those first few weeks of the season. I, I feel like Minshew played about as good as you could with the Jaguars team last year. 
the fact that he got traded for by the Eagles is that's not a great sign for Hertz. That's and that's just black and white right there. Not a great sign. If you if you're an Eagles fan and you want to argue it's quarterback depth, so be it. But as somebody from the outside looking in who has no ill will on the Eagles, uh, I would say that that does not look good. That's all I really need to say about that. Uh, another big question mark that I have here for quarterbacks, Joe Burrow. He's back. He only got three snaps. They drafted his wide receiver in Jamar Chase, who basically sat out all of last year. He stayed another year in college for literally nothing because he didn't even play. Um, drops are an issue with Chase. Hopefully he can kind of figure that whole thing out. I uh, whole thing out. Zach Taylor even straight up told him, if you're going to drop passes, you're going to sit on the bench. So that's something to keep an eye on there. But Burrow is back. He did only get three snaps. He didn't really, you know, two handoffs at that. So he didn't, he only got to throw the ball once. Hopefully his knee holds up. My biggest concern is the offensive line. So the question mark isn't even how will Joe Burrow fare? It's will this offensive line be able to protect him? He went down due to injury last year. This dude is putting up 300-yard games left and right. He can be really good. It all boils down to the offensive line. They have solid wide receivers. They have a good running game. They need a good offensive line. We'll have to keep an eye on that, see how it rolls out, but big question mark there. Off the topic of quarterbacks, because it seems like a lot of this has to do with quarterbacks here, but it is a hot topic throughout the league. The Panthers, which this kind of has to do with their quarterback too. Christian McCaffrey, he sat all preseason. I'm definitely excited to see him play. Electric player. Tough that he missed 13 games last season. Hopefully he gets to play a little bit more than that. Hopefully the entire season, if all things go well and he stays healthy. It sounds like they're aware they need to limit his snap count, though. 403 touches in 2019 is where he was at. Uh, Joe Brady even stated himself that they need to be mindful of what they have. So it sounds like whether they limit his snap count or maybe they just don't focus the game plan so much around him. They gave him a massive deal to be the centerpiece of the offense. But I think what they've learned is you can't centerpiece the running back as the offense. He can be a big proponent of it. He can make the runs. He can make all the catches and everything like that. He, I remember when he came into the league, he set out to prove that he could be, you know, he could be a legit running back number one in the league. And I mean, I think he's done that and more. Um, I really hope that he's able to stay healthy. I think that him being on the field is only going to help Sam Darnold in this new position. Sam Darnold is coming into a much better position this year, as opposed to where he was at with the Jets offense last year. So Things should be really good in, in uh, not in Panthers, in Carolina, excuse me, for the offense. The defense will be the real big question mark there. There were some games where they were letting up a lot of points. They had a really strong draft class, though, so some stuff to hang on to there. And with strong draft classes comes a lot of strong, or not strong, excuse me, a lot of rookie starters, rather. Uh, will they be able to perform up to the standard? I don't know, but we'll have to see how this defense fares. You got, got a guy like Jeremy Chin who came on strong last year, was you know, at some points in the season in the running for defensive rookie of the year. Hopefully he becomes a bigger piece. It sounds like he's going to be playing not just at corner. It sounds like he's got like a safety role kind of in the box type guy. He's going to be doing a lot more on this defense. So keep an eye on him. But for the Panthers overall, how's McCaffrey going to fare? We didn't really get the answer in the preseason. So hopefully we get it soon. That's kind of like a big question mark for the team there is how is he going to look coming off of, you know, his injury riddled season last year. Uh, what else do I have here? La oh, last couple of things before we wrap up all of the uh, what have we learned from this preseason. Um, for the Colts, I want to make sure I talk about my favorite team here. Uh, Wentz and Nelson should be ready for week one is what it sounds like. 
Will they actually be? I don't know. But it sounds like the Colts are planning to have them both for week one. We're still waiting on Eric Fisher to come back from his injury as well. Things from what it sounds like he's progressing well from his big injury last year. Uh, the defense looks awesome. I, you know, this is a team that I think ha- that has had a defense that has been kind of underappreciated around the league the last few years. You know, we have some stars on that defensive side of the football, DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, um, uh, Moore as well. So handful of guys that look really good. Blackman really came on strong last year. A lot to like about the defense. I guess the offense really, it just boils down to can Carson Wentz go? Is Quentin Nelson going to be healthy enough to block for him? Because that offensive line is a totally different story with him in the unit. I don't want to find out what it's like without him in the unit. He's you know he's played every single game so far. Uh, excited to see how that rolls out. And then the Saints. The Saints. QB1 is Winston. That's I pretty much have been saying that throughout the entire offseason and going into preseason. I felt like this was Winston's team. Drew Brees said it. You know, he said it himself. This is Winston's team. It was his job to lose. Sounds like they're going to, you know, basically do what they did with Breeze, just with Winston at the helm instead. Taysom Hill's going to be playing the gadget role. Uh, it sounds like the Saints are going to, dr- uh, not draft, excuse me, sign Nick Mullins. He's going to be kind of QB2 for them, playing the backup role while they do whatever they want with Taysom Hill, having him play all over the field, tight end, running back, gadget player, special offensive player, whatever the heck you want to call him, offensive weapon, I think is what Sean Payton labeled him a few years ago. Um, and then the big issue with the Michael Thomas situation I don't know if that's going to lead to Michael Thomas being uh, pushed on out of New Orleans. Uh, really weird situation from what it sounds like the Saints were saying that he was ignoring the team. Michael Thomas sounds like he's saying that the team's trying to make him look bad. He got that really late surgery, which is going to keep him out for a while now. But there is a bright spot in the receiving core. Marquez Callaway looked really good, caught some really good passes from Winston. It seems like they have a little bit of a connection already boiling there, which is really good for this offense. I think the Saints are in a much better position right now than what it looked like a few months ago when they had to move $100 million under the cap room or under the cap space or cap cap level, whatever the heck you want to call it there. That's exciting. I think New Orleans being competitive in the NFC South is important for that division. I'm excited to see it. Very curious to see how Winston fares. He has Sean Payton. I'm assuming Payton's going to design the plays to put him in the best position possible. We all know about the 30 turnovers he had, the interceptions rather, not even 30 turnovers, 30 interceptions, excuse me. Um, He did get LASIK this offseason. How much that affects him, I don't know, but I will say as some, and this is something that I've kind of talked about a lot, as somebody who has gotten LASIK myself, if he could see the way I could see before LASIK and he didn't realize that you know you're not supposed to see that way which I kind of did for a long time until I started actively wearing contacts and realized that contacts suck and I got LASIK instead uh I think that's going to make a difference the one thing I will say before I got LASIK my depth perception was not great very hard I was I couldn't see far Uh, I don't know if you call that near or farsighted but The next morning when I was done and I was able to take off the protective eye covers they made me wear, I was able to drive myself to the appointment that next day when I woke up that morning and could just flat out see, I remember thinking like, wow, people just wake up like this and this is how it's supposed to be. I mean, talk about a world of a difference for me. Um, I hope it makes the same difference for him. I am expecting... The Saints offense, if it's to be played out the way Drew Brees was playing, especially with the fact that Drew Brees could not really push the ball downfield due to his arm strength the last few years of his career, if he's not being forced to go as deep as often, but he still has the option to because of the big arm he has, 
I think we're going to see an improvement from Winston. I think the yards will still be high. I think his touchdown numbers will still be up. I think interceptions should go down. Um, if they put him in a situation where he's going to be throwing the ball quicker as well, he won't have to hold on to it as long. I, I just think overall the situation is going to put him in a really good spot as QB1, and he sounds excited for it, and I'm excited for him. And that is pretty much everything that I have learned, and I hope that you guys have noticed as well through the preseason. So where do we go from here? Let's talk about that. So going forward, how am I going to do this whole thing? Uh, I really like that I started the podcast during the offseason because it really gave me an opportunity to experiment with how I handled it through pretty much the entire, you know, four or five dead months of the NFL year. I started this as a football podcast, and it's really just kind of turned into a strictly NFL podcast. I've brought some people on here and there. And for the last, like, I would say month or two, it's been really just me solo because there really hasn't been a whole much to do, a whole bunch to do. Um, the plan is for, if you guys have seen any of the videos with them in it, Eli or Nick, if I can get either of them on for stuff, I definitely will. They're both avid football watchers. They love the game. Um, and they are people that I can get realistic opinions from. They're people that they can put their fanhood aside and also discuss football in like a rational manner, which a lot of people, not a lot of people, I don't want to say that, but there are a lot of people who are not able to do that. So I love getting their opinions on things. I love getting their views on things because they have very realistic and unbiased views as well. Um, So my goal is to get some more active members on the show. On top of that, as for how I'm going to be doing this right now, I've been doing like Monday, Thursday uploads basically is how everything's been. Um, The way I kind of want to do it is I think the episodes are going to get shorter. The, the, these like recaps and everything that I've been doing the last few weeks have been overall, um, They've been around like 30 minutes or so. This one's running really long. I'm already at like almost 38 minutes of recording here. Uh, We'll have like game day previews. It'll be a much shorter content, but there'll be like more of it throughout the week. Uh, I plan on doing like a Thursday preview for the Thursday game. Um, Whether it's on Sunday or Saturday, I haven't determined yet, but I'm going to be doing like a week preview for that for all the Sunday games. And then there'll be like a Monday preview as well. I plan on having like a games of the week thing going on where we'll discuss like kind of the big games to watch. I don't like game of the week that the NFL does. I like games of the week because I feel like there's multiple matchups a week that are really good. Um, We'll do like weekly recaps as well. I think on like um, whether it's on a Monday or a Tuesday, I don't know yet, but I will be doing like a week recap of all the games, you know, kind of things that happen stuff like that. Just stuff that, you know, were really big plays and just like spotlight stuff, that kind of stuff. We'll do power rankings and stuff as we have been on the show. Uh, I plan on doing like smaller segments as well. I want to start doing out like little or content that I can put on like other social media. So like Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and all those other things. I plan on doing stuff like that as well. There's a potential that I go back to doing live shows. I don't know if I'm going to do that. The initial reason I did that was because it was more so for me. I wanted to see if I could put myself in a situation where I was uncomfortable on camera initially and could do something on the spot like that. And I feel like I did it and I did a pretty good job of it. But I like the the pre-recorded stuff because I can really just plan out and and make sure that everything com- goes the way I want it to without disruption or anything like that. So I I think for now, we'll stick with the pre-recorded content. If I see a good opportunity or like a reason to get live shows rolling again, I think I will. I definitely enjoy doing them and I want to have like a real live interaction with fans as well. I want, if I'm doing a live show to be something where it's me and the viewers and not just me discussing with other people in front of viewers in real time. I want it to be like the viewers can be involved as well, hit with questions and stuff like that, like a live mailbag sort of thing. Um, 
so that's kind of like where my plans are for the channel. And then as for what you guys can expect in like the next week for what's going on as the season begins, 32 team power ranking is coming up. We did a power rankings earlier during the, like, uh, it's been a few weeks now, actually, since I've done my last power rankings video, I power ranked each and every single division team by team. Some things have changed since then. I'm doing a full blown 32 power rankings list that I've been working on slowly, but surely that I wanted to have prepped for probably it's probably going to be up like next Tuesday. I want to think, I feel like if I set a firm date, I'll be able to get it done on a specific time frame. So let's aim for next Tuesday. It's probably when that'll be Monday or Tuesday, something like that. Uh, and then game day preview of the bucks and Cowboys will happen that Thursday afternoon. And that is when things will really get rolling. And you guys will see how the format's going to look for the uh, podcast channel, whatever you guys want to call it uh, going forward throughout the duration of the season. Things may change. Some of the plans I have may not work out, and I might end up doing stuff I didn't plan on doing. We'll see how it all goes, but that's kind of where I'm at for the channel. I appreciate each and every one of you that have watched. If you made it through this whole video, I mean, good for you. But without further ado, that is pretty much everything I got for you guys today. We're uh, just over 40 minutes in. Thank you all for watching. I will see you guys next time. Next video is going to be the power ranking. 32 teams from best to worst. We will see where I have everybody listed. Have a good rest of your Tuesday, everyone, and I'll see you guys with the next video.